Please turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. That will be our sermon text for this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. And before we read that together, let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you now to hear from you, to hear from your word. Uh, we come to receive wisdom. And uh, we pray, Father, that you, would, that you would speak to us from the scriptures by your Holy Spirit, uh, that you would uh, teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us, uh, shape us, and mold us by your word this morning, by the power of your spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 18 through 20. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. I talk to myself all the time. If you stopped by my study during the week and listened for five minutes, you'd hear me talking out loud with no one in the room. Now that only gets embarrassing when I do it out in public, say at a coffee shop or at the library. You may think this is odd, uh, but it's perfectly normal for me. And the truth of the matter is we all talk to ourselves all the time. Most people just do it with their mouth closed. In fact, we live by what we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves this is good, this is bad, or this is undesirable, or that looks like fun, or that looks like it hurts, or that looks scary, or she owes me, or I owe her my life. I don't like this. I love that. I want, I deserve, I need, I demand. I, I'm not saying we're always conscious of what we tell ourselves, but there is a continual internal dialogue. Now, you might wonder if this line of thought is uh, biblical or just a result of our, our over-psychologized age. Well, just consider these verses from the Psalms. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Or Psalm 62, 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Or Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And it's not just in the Psalms either. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, there's a story uh, that involves a man named Gehazi. He's the servant of Elisha, the prophet. And at one point he says to himself, see, my master has spared this name in the Syrian in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. You see, he is deliberating within himself. He is talking things out with himself. And it's not just in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus begins a parable like this. In Luke 12, he says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. 
And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And notice even the, the layers there, right? He thinks to himself about what he will say to his soul. He, he's not only talking to himself, he is planning out what he is going to say, and we can multiply examples again and again from the Scripture. Scripture repeatedly talks about people thinking within themselves, questioning in their hearts, saying to their soul. And sometimes it's out loud, sometimes it is in silence, but we are constantly talking to ourselves. And this, this is not some weird or unusual behavior. It's actually part of being made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said... Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who was God talking to? Now, there's some debate uh, to be sure about that verse, but I think the, those are right who say that God is talking to himself. Let us make man in our image. God says something similar in Genesis 3 and in Genesis 11. And then in Genesis uh, chapter 18, God has a whole dialogue with himself. I won't read the whole thing, but, but part of it goes like this. Genesis 18 verse 17, the Lord said to no one in particular and so to himself, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? Then the Lord said, again to himself, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. See, God takes counsel with himself. He deliberates within himself. And now surely there's some anthropomorphism going on here in those verses, but the point stands that our deliberating within ourselves, talking to one's self, reflects some reality found within our triune God. Really, it's part of what makes us rational creatures, right? We talk to ourselves, we deliberate, we question, we think in our hearts. And this is important because when we talk to ourselves, we tend to believe ourselves. I mean, who is the person whose advice you take most often? Yourself, your own. And this morning, we begin a, a mini-series on lies we believe, or maybe I should say lies we tell ourselves. And every other year or so, I, I take a few weeks at the beginning of the year to do a more topical mini-series where I take some topic and spend a few weeks looking at what Scripture has to say about it. And what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks is looking at six lies we believe. And then we'll see how Scripture calls us out on those lies. Each week we'll look at the lie, we'll look at the truth of Scripture that that lie distorts, and then the truth of Scripture that that lie denies. So this week, we're going to look at the lie about wisdom, that only I know what's best for me. This lie is self-destructive, uh, though nuance is necessary. This lie is self-deceptive, because true wisdom is found in the cross. Therefore, we ought to become a fool, that we may become wise. So you can see that outline in your bulletin this morning. So first, the lie about wisdom, only I know what is best for me. Uh, you, you've probably heard people say it. You may even have said it yourself, right? Only I know what's best for me here. Uh, one website commended this idea and put it like this. When it comes to what's best for you, your own opinion is the only one that counts. 
I have heard that all anyone has to offer, or I have learned that all anyone has to offer is opinion. The only truth is one that is felt by the heart, and it differs from person to person, from moment to moment. The website goes on, take the time to hear your own thoughts, to truly feel into your own feelings, to begin to trust your own intuition. This is your true opinion of anything, and it's the only one that counts. Now, the idea here is that there is no truth and that everyone should believe whatever is, quote, true for them, because what is true for you is not necessarily true for me, and above all, we must be true to ourselves. And yet, as I think most of you probably know, that the truth is that truth, in order for it to be true, must be true for everyone. Uh, This lie says everything is, is relative and personal, everything is subjective, that I should assume life is what I think it to be, at least it is that for me. But truth is, is absolute and objective by definition. Something either is or it is not, regardless of how I feel about it, regardless of what I think. If you want to argue with me on that point, you only prove my point. Because if there is nothing absolute and objective, then our words have no meaning and any debate or discussion is pointless. The fact that you want to argue proves that you believe there is truth and you think I am in error. And now there are innumerable, right, objective, absolute truths things that we hold in common, that is, things that are common to human experience, regardless of whether they are common to human belief. Uh, Rocks are hard. Honey is sweet. The sky is blue on a clear day. Uh, People are made in God's image. They have a mind, heart, will, and body. They are broken by the fall. They have gifts and callings from God. They are born into families, whether those families are good or bad, whether those families accept them or abandon them. They will be held accountable on the day of judgment. They have an eternal destiny and more. Now, if there is, right, absolute truth, true truth, then someone else might know something that I don't. And so they might know what is best for me because I am missing some bit of information about the world that they have. So my doctor might know something about my health that I don't know and so prescribe a certain diet. My mechanic might know something about my car that I don't know, and so prescribe a certain repair. Uh, A mentor might know something about my field that I don't know, and so encourage a certain way forward in life. The belief that only I know what is best for me simply isn't true. As Christians, right, you would hope that we wouldn't tell ourselves this lie, but more often than not, we still hear what we want to hear. And so while we wouldn't say, only I know what's best for me, We often live as if it's true. But this this lie is self-destructive, right? Proverbs 14, 12, which you heard earlier, and I think maybe you heard last week as well, even though uh, I wasn't here. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And some of this is obvious, isn't it? That that when we pursue our own way, it leads to destruction. Uh, But let me point out four things that this lie destroys, uh, first, it's, it's self-destructive, right? If I, if I think only I know what is best for me, I will reject the wisdom of others, and so the wisdom of the ages, the wisdom of those who have gone before. Rather than seeking wise counsel, I will seek out counselors who, who simply reinforce whatever I already believe. Think about uh, the unwise Rehoboam in uh, the book of Kings. If only I know what is best for me, I will reject what God says about me which almost never coincides with what I'd like to think about myself. 
We think that such a lie is self-affirming, right? I know what's best for me. But, but such logic is ultimately self-destructive because it, it cuts me off from the wisdom of others and leaves me to myself and my own resources. Suddenly, my life is limited by my measure of wisdom and strength. And so while affirming the self, this lie limits the self by leaving each of us isolated and on our own. Second, this lie is destructive of stability. Uh, this lie assumes that my feelings are a legitimate measure of what is true, and therefore I should follow my heart. Uh, the problem is if my feelings are in any way a measure of what is true, then what is true changes from day to day, hour to hour, even moment to moment. My feelings are as inconsistent as the attention span of a middle school boy. How can they be a measure of what is true? There's a Christian version of this, of course. We say things like, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel peace about this, or I do feel peace about the other thing, as if God infallibly spoke through our feelings. Now, my feelings do tell me something. Uh, they, they tell me how I feel about what I think is true. And, and those feelings are real, and so they do tell me something true, but it's not something about reality out there, but something about my heart in here. Follow your heart, and only I know what's best for me. They, they leave us on a, a path of instability and insecurity, never really sure, always second-guessing our, our, ourselves and our decisions, paranoid to actually make a decision, because what if I don't know what I want? And, and how can I be sure I can live tomorrow with the decisions I make today? If every life decision comes down to my fickle heart, I will live my life unstable and insecure. Well, third, this lie is destructive of sympathy, uh, at least any, of any real basis for sympathy. Again, this lie assumes that there's nothing that we hold in common, because only I know what's best for me, only you know what's best for you, and so there's nothing that we hold in common. You see, if only you know what's best for you, that implies that no one else can understand your situation which implies we have so little in common that our situations are so different that I can't extrapolate from, your, from my situation to yours. Sympathy in this scenario is really impossible. If we hold nothing in common, I can't imagine what it's like to be in your shoes. There's no basis for camaraderie or empathy. Rather than trying to find commonality with others, we begin to emphasize more and more what makes us all different until all commonality and so sympathy is destroyed. We're left with uh, an every man for himself mentality, which of course leads us to one more thing, that is that this lie is destructive of society. This lie that only I know what's best for me quickly creates an us versus them paradigm. If only I know what is best for me, when you contradict what I think, you are not seeking what is best for me, uh, which means you, you don't just disagree with me, you're a threat. And we're moving toward 1 Corinthians 3.18, uh, which says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And the context of 1 Corinthians up to this point is disunity in the church. This is where human wisdom leads because we necessarily take sides. Uh, since human wisdom is about getting ahead or having more or being better, uh, we, we must be ahead of someone. We must have more than someone. We must be better than someone. Human wisdom is about what I think versus what you think. So human wisdom always puts us in adversarial relationships. I mean, just think about where we are today with COVID. It's not just that people disagree. Uh, it, it often becomes an us versus them. They are right. We are wrong. Or they are wrong. We are right. And now, again, I'm not denying that there is objective truth here. There are things that we can discuss. In some situations, there's a clear right and wrong. The question that I'm talking about is not about the content or the subject matter. 
but about how I view the other person. See, we don't know how to hold differences without distancing ourselves from the other. Human wisdom often leads to this us versus them paradigm. And that's what Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 1 through 3. So this lie, it, it's destructive of self and stability and sympathy in society because it, it literally disintegrates the self from reality, from other selves, and so society itself. These things are, are disintegrated. They, they lose their integration with one another and so are destroyed. And yet this lie is a distortion of something that is really true. Which brings us to the, the second point or the subpoint there that nuance is necessary. You know, Satan is not an artist. He is not original. He is not creative. Uh, Satan steals and distorts. He exaggerates one truth and minimizes another. Uh, but the one thing that he cannot do is create new truth. He can't do that because he's not God. And what is the truth behind this lie? The lie is only I know what is best for me. The, the truth that that lie distorts is, is that nuance is necessary. Uh, here's what I mean. Pe- people and circumstances are unique, right? People are not cookie cutter. There is variety in the world. And while we shouldn't exaggerate this, we must not deny it either. Uh, truth is real, but we must apply truth in a nuanced way, uh, specific to the given situation. I'd like to give you a dozen different examples of this in Scripture, but I'll start at least with just one, that when someone is speaking nonsense or foolishness, should we answer them, right? If someone's talking nonsense, do you respond to them? Should you correct them? Or should you hold your tongue? What does Scripture say? Well, Proverbs 26, verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Got it. That's clear, right? Don't do it. Don't respond. You'll just make yourself look like a fool. But wait, right? If you keep reading Proverbs 26, verse 5, the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So great, right? Now, now, Now what do we do? One verse says, don't answer a fool. The next verse says, answer a fool. What do we do? Is scripture contradicting itself? I know the point is that that wisdom requires nuance. You can't just take a verse and slap it on a situation, right? You've got to know that situation. What would be best here and now? In biblical counseling, we often talk about interpreting both the text and the person. We must examine both in order to apply Scripture well. Whereas some have a a disintegrated view of life and would say, only I know what's best for me, only you know what's best for you. Others have kind of an oversimple, monolithic view of life that, that I know what I believe, I have the truth, I'm right, therefore you must do this. Now, it's complicated, isn't it? Uh, Some truths apply the same to everyone, but others uh, apply differently according to circumstances. The truth remains the same, but the application of the truth varies by circumstance. Let me just give you uh, two uh, more examples. First, uh, circumcision. Now, uh, it's not something we think much about today, circumcision, but Scripture says a lot about circumcision. And the question in the early church was, should a Christian be circumcised? And in Galatians 5.2, without going into all the details of this discussion, in Galatians 5.2, Paul says, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. That's strong language. If you accept circumcision, no advantage. But then in Acts 16, verse 3, Paul has Timothy circumcised. 
I won't go into the reasons for this here, but it stands as a biblical example that while uh, truth remains the same, the application of those truths varies according to circumstance. It was a good idea for Timothy to be circumcised. For the Galatians, it meant they were abandoning the gospel. Uh, Second example, think about murder. Is killing someone always wrong? That's a dangerous question to ask, I realize. But is killing uh, killing someone always wrong? Our gut is to say, well, yeah, of course. But both scripture and modern law make exceptions, don't they, for for accidental manslaughter and for self-defense. And you may say, oh, but that's different. But that's the point. It's, It's still horrible for someone to die before their time, but the circumstances affect how we apply the command against murder. And so nuance is important. It doesn't mean that only you know what's best for you, but it does mean we need wisdom in our application of truth. Nuance is necessary. And so as we've thought about the lie itself, we've kind of laid the groundwork for coming to our text, right? There is a lie that that we tell ourselves today that only I know what's best for me. It's destructive of both self and society. It's parodying biblical truth, that, that application of truth must be nuanced. But as it stands, it's still a lie. And that brings us to our text, 1 Corinthians 3.18, which says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And there are three points to see from this text. And the first is, uh, not not only is this lie self-destructive, it is self-deceptive. Paul says here, let no one deceive himself. What does he mean in context? What what, What does it mean to deceive yourself? It means to think you are wise when you are actually a fool. Just look at the rest of the verse. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise, if anyone among you thinks he is wise, uh, to think only I know what's best for me is a claim to wisdom, but it's actually foolishness. This is true as a basic life principle, isn't it? I mean, have you ever met someone or anyone who, who just refused to take advice? No matter what their situation, no matter how bad it got, they just refused to listen to what other people had to say. They always thought they knew better. Whenever they were taught how to do something, they had a better way. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a man of wisdom listens to advice. To be wise is not to have all the answers. It's to be humble enough to listen and to learn. Only I know what's best for me is a foolish lie to one's self. If you believe this, you've been taken in, right? You've been deceived. In fact, when you tell yourself, only I know what's best for me, you're deceiving yourself. This is why Proverbs 3, 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. Now, Paul specifically says, if anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age. Well, why in this age? What what other age is there? Uh, There is the age to come, which has dawned in Jesus. And what Paul is saying is this, there are two kinds of wisdom. First, there is the wisdom of this age. In verse 19, he calls it the wisdom of this world. And Paul says there in verse 19 that that wisdom is folly with God. The wisdom of this world is foolish. Proverbs 14, 2, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. It seems right, but it ends in destruction. That is folly. Well, what's the other option? Uh, what, what is the wisdom of this, the, the age to come? True wisdom is found in the cross. Uh, you, you, know, you know, political or news junkies, right, of the right or the left, right, they're trying to understand what is going on in the world. Uh, people who follow their hearts are trying to find something to guide them. People enmeshed in culture are seeking to make sense out of the world in which we live. 
But political news cannot give you wisdom. Our feelings are a fickle and poor guide to what is true. And any given culture is just the fickleness of the human heart writ large. Where can we find true wisdom? Within Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians, we find it in the cross. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Now, why become a fool that you may become wise? Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul explained that the cross is folly to this world. You see, the logic of the cross is that victory comes through defeat, that exaltation comes through humiliation, that life comes through death, that joy comes through pain, that the way up is the way down, that to save your life, you must lose it. In other words, the wisdom of the cross is folly to this age. It's counterintuitive at best. But the cross is where God's wisdom is found. How do we know? How do we know that the cross embodies true wisdom? How do we know that it is better to give than to receive? How do we know that that if we want to be first, we must become last? How do we know that life comes through death and joy through pain? Because that is what happened to Jesus. Jesus went to the cross to suffer for our sin. He took on our shame, our guilt, our weakness. He took our punishment, our pain, our death. And God raised him from the dead in glory and power, declaring him righteous, giving him life forevermore exalting Jesus to the Father's right hand. See, the cross says the way up is the way down. Now, no one would ever choose this way for themselves. Hence, again, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Or as Jesus put it in Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, you may be thinking that the thought that only I know what's true for me, that's a lie. Okay, I get that. The lie is self-destructive, though you know, we need nuance as we apply the truth to our lives. Uh, this lie is also self-deceptive because true wisdom is found in the cross. That's where I need to go if I want wisdom. So now what? Now what? Well, you, you do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.18. You become a fool that you may become wise. We need to remedy the lies of our culture, the lies of our own hearts with the truth of God's word. We must embrace the folly of the cross in order to have true wisdom. You know, I I believe that scripture is true, but I often spend more time consuming culture and listening to my fickle emotions than I do being attentive to what I know to be true, God's word. And here's the question for each one of us, will I live by my wisdom, the lie that only I know what's best for me, or will I submit to God's wisdom found in the gospel, found in the scriptures? You might think, okay, that that sounds great, but but how do I get there? If trusting in one's self is self-deceptive, how do I I become undeceived? How, how, How do I come to a knowledge of what is true, and how do I live that out every day? Well, first, Paul says, become a fool. Uh, That means, in the context of 1 Corinthians, not go out and do foolish and silly things, but one, acknowledge that the wisdom of this world is folly to God, and then embrace the folly that is the cross, Jesus' death for sin and resurrection unto life. Now, you may think, okay, well, I've done that. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life. I've embraced the cross. I believe in Jesus. Isn't there anything else? Well, there is, actually, and and you learn it in the Psalms, of all places. Uh, Consider, again, Psalm 42 and and 62. Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Uh, Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. What is the psalmist doing here? He is talking to himself. He, he asks his soul a question. He gives his soul an exhortation, and then he grounds that exhortation in the truth. He is convincing himself of what is true and how to act. He's reminding himself of what is true. He knows it to be true, otherwise he couldn't remind himself. But mere knowing is not enough. He must remind himself of what he knows to be true. This is what we all need, right? We're talking, we're talking to ourselves all the time. And lies come at us from various places, culture, friends, family, even our own hearts. What do we do when the lies come? We must talk to ourselves. We must remind ourselves. We must convince ourselves. We must preach the gospel to ourselves every day until we are looking at something through the lens of the gospel. And until that point, until we are looking at something through the lens of the gospel, we're not yet understanding that thing as we ought. You know, are, are you living in light of the Father's love and care for us in every situation? Are you loving others as Jesus loved you sacrificially in every situation? Are you remembering that the, the cross comes before the crown and suffering before glory as, as a means of enduring through trials and difficulty? Are you voluntarily giving up your rights as Jesus did to bless others? See, we remedy the lies of culture, the lies of our hearts with the truth of God's word and the gospel of his son. And then we believe it and we take it to heart until it shapes all our thinking, our feeling, our doing, and our speaking. Until we humbly believe the truth and walk in the truth, waiting for God's wisdom to be justified in our resurrection on the last day. Let's pray together. Our Father, we do pray that you would help us to view life through the lens of the cross and that uh, when we struggle with that, help us to, to speak to our own hearts, to speak your gospel into our own hearts, to remind ourselves and to remind one another of the gospel of your son and, and what it means for this situation, for right here, for right now. Help us to walk in true wisdom, that we would become fools uh, in, in terms of what the world thinks, that we might become wise with the wisdom of the age to come, the wisdom of the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.